Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and for all of my fellow armed citizens out there, I have a challenge for you today and a treat. Now the challenge is to think outside the range with your firearms training. Consider how your home can be superior, yes, superior to the live fire center that you're used to. The treat? Well, I'll let my new friend and top tactical and competitive shooting coach share with you his critical secrets for taking all of your shooting skills to the next level. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. It's absolutely true. Your shooting skills are perishable. And as much as we all know we should be training with our firearm on an ongoing basis, the hard truth is that most people only pay lip service to the concept. And hey, I get it. I mean, shooting can be expensive. The price of ammo certainly isn't going down. And there's still times when the shelf where those rows of 9mm practice rounds were plenty, and now there's nothing but a thin coating of dust. And then there's the ranges themselves. I mean, set aside the rules that limit you on what you can and cannot do. What happens when the range is all booked up on that one weekend that you're free? Or there's a tournament going on that you're not part of? Or you simply can't get down to the range and back home before you've got to be somewhere else? You know, like work. <laughs> there are any number of reasons you may not be getting many live fire rounds down range. But does that mean that you just have to let your shooting skills go to pot in between classes or trips to the range? Absolutely not. In fact, there's a great way to keep your skills up in between live fire sessions and training classes, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And today we're talking with someone who has quickly become my new favorite tactical training resource and the perfect person to walk us through one of my favorite tap topics, tactical dry fire training. Please welcome Ron Avery to the program. Ron, thanks for taking some time for us today. Hey, Jeff. It's an honor to be here and happy to share. Awesome, awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. So listen, everyone, uh, Ron's new our network, and he's a, he's a former law enforcement officer of 25 years, world-ranked professional shooter, and internationally acclaimed trainer and writer who's one of the first instructors in modern times to really apply and adapt cutting-edge scientific principles to high-performance shooting. As a martial artist, researcher, and world-class competitive shooter with many wins, titles, and top finishes over the past 36 years, Ron has made it his mission to study the science of tactical shooting principles and strategies to create a superior, easy-to-learn training doctrine that gives all level, levels of shooter not only the skills they need to survive a violent attack, but also to be able to defend their actions in a courtroom. His unique philosophies and scientific training concepts have really set him apart and made him a highly sought-after instructor for everyone from competitive shooters looking to take the title at their next match to the military and government agencies who require skills that they can really depend on when their life is on the line. And of course, the private citizen looking for no-nonsense, practical tactics for defending themselves 
and their family when the bullets start flying. Now, for more information about Ron and his training, visit his website at www.tacticalperformancecenter.com or his other personal website at www.practicalshootingacademy.com. Okay, Ron, Ron, let's go ahead and dive right into this. So first, let's define what dry fire is. You know, what is it and why do you think it's such a critical factor in preparing to survive a real-life gunfight? Well, dry fire is the act of, of using the firearm without loaded ammunition. And for me, dry fire is not a practice regime. It is a training regime. What that means is that it's an integral, critical part of your training if you hope to develop long-term retention and skills and new ideas, new concepts, ingrained things to the level of the reflex, you have to dry fire. And the problem with people with dry fire, they associate dry fire with boredom, going over the same thing over and over and over again. And that's a common misnomer because dry fire to me is, is using your imagination to put yourself in actual scenarios, to put yourself in that, that ability to, okay, there's an emotional content to dry fire. It is not just draw your gun and point the gun and shoot click. Mm-hmm. You know, that's craziness. And people do that all the time and they're not engaging their emotions. They're not engaging their imagination. And so what happens is when it comes down to being real, they've never imagined real. And so they're caught by surprise. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this, if you dry fire correctly and you put your imagination into it correctly and you get into a situation, well, guess what? You've been through that scenario a thousand times. You, every situation is different, but the principles you use are not different. You apply principles to different scenarios, and you play the, the wonderful game of what if. What if this would happen? What if that would happen? And we're just talking the situation itself. And then when we get into techniques, okay, this is where the rubber meets the road. You need to have thousands upon thousands of meaningful, mindful repetition. You cannot shoot enough rounds to do that unless you have an unlimited budget. And even then, I don't believe that live fire training is necessarily going to be more beneficial than dry. If you ask um, any any top professional shooter, Rob Latham, as one of my uh, friends and uh, folks that I really have a lot of respect for, and I remember having a conversation with Robbie, and he said, Ron, you know, for every round I fire, I shoot 100 dry. Mm. And to me, that's the ratio because... Dry fire teaches you the motor skills. They teach you the fine points. You are paying attention to small things because you're not concerned with noise, blast, or recoil. You're not concerned with where your bullet went. You're concerned with the mechanics, the feeling, the state of mind, and the focus of attention becomes a super precise. And then once you get your dry fire skills down at a very high level and you go to the range, you are validating you're validating what you've done dry fire if you've done it correctly. And most people don't have and don't pay enough attention to those small little laser beam levels of focus that make a successful world-class dry fire happen. Yeah, and I, you know, so many people I talk to, they, they know about the concept of dry fire, but they really don't do it, admittedly. And part of that, I think, is from, from my perception of, of when they're answering me is that they don't find it effective or there's a lot of misconceptions about there, out there about what it is. So people maybe without even trying it do think that maybe it's boring or they think that you need, uh, or, or that it would damage your equipment. I mean, I think, you know, for years, as a new shooter, I was taught that dropping the hammer on an empty gun could have 
could really eventually damage the gun. So, so let's get past some of those technical myths that might be out there or any of the other myths that are out there. I mean, is there any, is there any special equipment that I need to be able to safely dry fire train with my firearm? Like I know there's like snap caps and dummy rounds and things like that, but what's the best equipment for me to use for dry fire? Band-Aids. Because you're going to be dry firing a lot. <laughs> it's a Band-Aid? <laughs> yeah, you're going to be putting them on your fingers when you wear them out for blisters. <laughs> but as far as the gun itself, you know, back in the day when I was a boy, I had an Ithaca single-shot shotgun, and I did break my firing pin back then, dry firing the gun. Um, and so everybody has this fear, you know, of metal fatigue and all these other things. And I'll tell you what, I've only broken one firing pin in a modern pistol, and that was after probably conservatively 300,000 or 400,000 repetitions, and that's only one time. I mean, I can't tell you how many millions of times I've dry fired my gun. Hmm. Let's, it's safe to say this. You will not wear the gun out. You will wear yourself out. You could do a 1,000 draws a night for the next 20 years and probably not break your part. And modern steel is so tough, so strong on high-quality firearms now that it's it's a non-issue. And, you know, there's always this. If people are feeling a little bit worried about it, have a dry fire a firing pin or hammer put in and use that for dry firing. You know, some people, for safety's sake, take a firing pin out of a 1911, they'll cut it so that it's no longer capable of ever discharging around. And, and having said this about dry fire, the, the biggest safety thing, I think, is not the gun. It's having a very safe dry fire regime. And when you're, uh, if you want me to go into that, I will go into a, some very key points that people need to be aware of before they even start this show. You, you probably need to because I can't tell you how many times I get spanked like on our blog or on, on social media. Like there are people that are just really rigid about um, – and, and some people think overly so, right? Like, you know, key, and, and I'll let you go into, like, the true safe. You know, people say, you know, basically, you know, your ammo needs to be in another county. You know, you have to be able to drive to go get your ammo again. You know, so no. so what is your safe regimen for, for dry fire? Well, I actually, I actually do this, and I've been teaching now for 36 years. Yeah. I've been competing for 36, and I've been law enforcement. I was in law enforcement for 20, 26 years, 12 years, 13 years full time, and then 12, 13 years deserve. But I teach and I, I have a manual that I use that is in place now in every major federal agency I've taught at, military, special operations people. It's basically the Bible. And it works like this. You separate the gun and the ammo. You put your, you unload and load in a separate room from the room you drive practice in. And this is because I want the mind to have a chance to switch gears so that you don't subconsciously see the target in front of you having loaded your weapon and then you see it, and then you have that stimulus to draw, and that's where the problems come in. So people that unload their gun, put their ammo on the bench next to them, and start dry firing on the TV. And then they're, you know, they're talking to their buddy on the phone, and they see something on TV. They load the gun back up while they're talking. All of a sudden, their buddy hears this loud bang, and he goes, what happened? He goes, oh, I'll be right back. <laughs> so I see this a lot. TVs get shot first, pictures, mirrors, um, things like that. So here's what we do. You separate the gun and the ammo, and you put, your, put a tin can and put it outside the room. Make sure you have a place you can dry fire that if a bullet were to accidentally be discharged, it would go into a place that would cause no bodily harm and the least amount of physical damage. So typically out in the basement with, with drywall, not drywall, but with cinder block or 
you know, some sort of bulletproof structure that will just absolutely just in case and, and without getting paranoid. Um, and then you go in there and you, you leave your cell phone out. You take off stuff. You don't talk to people. You go into that dry fire area. You do your business for X amount of time. And when you exit, you either load the firearm back up or do whatever and load it back up and either put it away or holster it. And, again, you isolate that dry practice area to a place in your home where you don't ordinarily carry a loaded gun. So in your living room watching TV is not a good place to dry fire. Down in your basement would be good or a back bedroom would be good. But what happens is people get lazy. They want to put the ammo right next to them because they're lazy. Look, you don't need to put it in the next county. You don't need to lock it up in a safe. What you need to do is have enough time to get away from the visual stimulus of a target in front of you to walk away, and what I typically do is I'll take that ammo can, and I have it on one of my DVD series for a secret type of professional shooter, and what I do is I take an ammo can, a um, coffee can, big one, and I put it in a corner where I'm facing in a neutral corner with no distraction, and I unload the gun right there, put the magazine in the round in that can, and all my other mags, and so everything is empty, and then I walk into my dry fire area, I do my business, I go back, that can when I'm done outside the room, I load it, I put it away, and you're done. It's that simple, it's that powerful, but you have to make sure you do it. That's all. Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying that the best dry fire equipment is also to be able to use the, the firearm that you're, that you're most likely going to use to defend yourself anyway. I think so. I think so. People yeah. can change. They can do a laser pistols like the CERT pistol. Right. Or they can even do an airsoft gun without the pellets and just shoot an airsoft gun if they want this light sight. We use all kinds of dry fire stuff. But here's what happens. People want to be entertained. So they want entertainment stuff. So people give them entertainment drills. So people shoot these drills happily thinking they're getting better. I don't do drills. I do principal application. So I can do the same drill 50 different ways by focusing on a different application of a principle. That's what I'm looking for, and that's the high-end training. So if you want to be entertained and you feel the need that you need a laser dot, you need a, a slide cycling, be my guest. But laser beams have a horrible habit of making people look at the beam, not the sight. Hmm. And so they get bad habits, and they start getting good at point shooting until point shooting falls apart a little bit on them, and they can't shoot as nearly as well as they think they can. So I'm careful with that. I love lasers. I love airsoft stuff. Um, but I typically use my dry gun without any embellishments, and that's what I use. Yeah. Yeah. Your your principle-based approach to it, and, and really it's the fine-tuning. That's what I like about the scientific approach you use, but that fine-tuning process is really what I want to dig into coming up. And, and we do have that coming up. So listen, everybody, we've been talking with Ron Avery of TacticalPerformanceCenter.com and PracticalShootingAcademy.com about how to incorporate dry fire training into your tactical shooting practice plan. And we do have a lot more coming up, including how to get the most out of every single dry fire training session in order to fine-tune skills that can one day save your life, as well as the perfect dry fire training session, how to set it up and exactly what to do. But first, check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. 
Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range. Don't place your family's safety in the hands of Hollywood fairy tales and hearsay. Claim your free copy of Stopping Power Secrets now Now. at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Ron Avery of TacticalPerformanceCenter.com and PracticalShootingAcademy.com talking about the perfect dry fire training experience and how to use this critical practice tool to become a better protector for you and your family. Let's go ahead and jump back in now. Okay, Ron, so they, they say that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So what concepts should I keep in mind when dry fire training in order to get the most out of that training and to make it effective in actually fine-tuning my skills? Okay, now it's time to blow your mind a little bit because everybody thinks that you can't make mistakes and somehow if you make mistakes that you're no longer learning. Now, when you're learning a skill, you know, you're learning first on a cognitive level. You have to assimilate it in your mind. You have to put it together, make an image, and then you have to try and basically copy it. And what happens as you're copying it, you go through the next phase, and now you're into trial and error. And when you finally get the trial and error where the mistakes are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, then you're grooving that and you're automating it and turning it into a reflex. So everybody wants to talk about muscle memory. Muscle memory does not get created until you have created the correct series of motor pathways and understand how the pathway starts from start to finish. So when I say being mindful, what I mean is when you execute the skill, you are going to execute it as well as you can, staying mindful with your conscious mind of each part of it. Now, that's incredibly difficult mm-hmm. because what I'm asking you to do is by the time, from the moment you pick up that weapon, how you grab it, how you bring it up, what you're feeling, what you're seeing, what you're processing, as you bring that gun up the target, there's a lot of things going on. So let's break it down into the perfect dry fire session for me is to isolate what are the key things I'm going to work on tonight. And one of the things about staying fresh in your dry fire so it doesn't get boring is change it. Every two to three days, change a program. Work on different things. Let's say we're working on the shooting grip. Now, everybody goes, well, you know, I get a good grip on the gun. I go, do you? Do you really understand what your grip does? There's three principles in that grip. Which one are you working on? Like we're talking about friction. How well do you connect your hands to that gun so that when that gun fires, it does not slip in your hand? How well do you understand biomechanical efficiency so when you fire that gun, that gun comes back to roughly the same point it was before? And everybody says, oh, yeah, I got that. I got that. We get them in school, and they don't have it. They don't have anything close to it because they don't know what they're doing. They, They just do it, do it, do it, do it, but they never think or feel what they're doing. So the perfect dry fire starts with, perfect attention. I'm going to work on the principle of connecting my hand to some friction. So there's five different things we look at in friction. I'm going to go through each of those five things, and I'm going to do each one one at a time. Why? Because your conscious mind can only focus on one thing at a time. Now, everything else may go to hell on a hand basket. I'm okay with that. 
what I'm not okay with is the guy who tries to do it all and just keeps doing, 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 doing and doesn't have a clue what he's doing. That guy can't get better because he doesn't know what he needs to do to get better. And I'll tell you this, you know, anybody who thinks a shooting grip is something that's static and just grab the gun firm and start shooting, well, I've got news for him. I've been doing this for 36 years. I'm still learning about my grip and how to do it better. Same thing with platform. You, anybody who thinks this stuff is supposed to be easy and intuitive and you're going to learn in a week, forget it. So paying attention to the grip, I'll work on friction. And I'll work on applying each principle in order. And I will feel it and I will start slowly. And then I will start moving that speed up. And here's the key. I want to get better, not just stay at the same depth. I don't want to just keep staying the same. I want to get better. I want to increase my skill. In order to do that, I have to change something, don't I? Yeah. Because if I, if I don't change something, I'm not getting better. Mm-hmm. I have to change something. So what is it? Am I going to go faster? I'm going to apply it more precisely? Am I going to relax more and allow it to happen, recoil to happen better? What am I doing to increase my performance? And so I am mindful of, I have an idea of what I want to do. And so I will work and I will go slow and I will go faster and faster and faster until the skill starts to break down under pressure. And when that skill starts to break down where I feel like I'm not quite processing it, I stop at that level. We call that level the red zone, the 105% zone. And that is the zone of improvement. And so for me as a world-class performer, I'm going to go into that zone every time almost every time I dry fire. I'm going to go into that zone of going faster and faster until that skill starts to break down and I will catch the mistakes and I will fix them as I do them and repeat, 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 like you're learning a musical note and you're playing an instrument until that is a perfect line and that's a perfect execution and I will keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it until, and I'll do that over time. That could take two to three weeks to actually groove in a new concept if you're working something fairly complex. And that will become my new 98% instead of 105%. And people don't understand that dry fire is incredibly good for this kind of training because it's so easy to focus on one thing. You're not worried about, well, I only have 100 rounds, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm only going to shoot this shot this way. And they limit themselves totally. So getting back to the perfect dry fire, we're going to start off easy. We're going to pick a concept, and we're going to stay with a concept. One major thing for your dry fire session. What is my goal? What is my outcomes that I want to get from this, and are they realistic? Let me let me ask you. Let me ask just real quick about that. So people might not know, like, okay, well, what what are the things that I I should be fine tuning if I'm not looking at dry fire as just being the whole range of pulling it out of my holster and pointing it and pulling the trigger. So are there are there certain things that you tell people like okay here are the things that you can work on maybe you know getting the grip is one thing or you know drawing it from yeah. the holster do you have a list yeah, of things yeah you, you, what you would work on is your fundamental core skills and everybody thinks that these are basics they're they're actually absolutely core principles you're going to be doing them all the time at whatever level you're at grip stance side picture side alignment you know trigger control follow-through processing, and um, all those things are going to be things you're going to work on. So let's say you're working on, well, you know, your left hand's coming off the gun, it's slipping a lot under recoil, or you have excessive muzzle flip. Those two things are related to friction and biomechanical efficiency. You're not applying the principles correctly. So identifying 
number one, good information in what is going wrong, what do I need to learn, and I always teach people from a positive. What do you need to work on? Why are you working on it that way? And how are you going to improve it? So you need information. So whether you get it from a training class or you've got it on the Internet or your buddy told you something, you're going to go in there with an idea roughly what you need to do. If you don't have an idea, then you need to get professional training. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no substitute for that. And honestly, that's what we do. I mean, that's my job. And yeah. I do it online as well for people that can't come out, they can't afford to take time off work, and I'll do online sessions with them. And that's super helpful for them because it gets them on, a, on the right track right away. But getting back to the dry fire session, you have an idea what you want to work on. I want to work on my grip. I'm going to work on this area of my grip, on one piece grip, getting my hands at the size I can, pulling in front to back, you know, putting the pressure where it belongs. And you're going to pick one of those things, and you're going to groove it, and you're going to feel it. Now, when you're learning, you're not going up into the high end like I would. I, I have a different learning style for everybody. But when you're learning fundamental things, first you have to cognitively understand what it is you're doing. What is the big picture? Then you break it down into the principle. What is the principle behind technique? When I'm using friction, I'm applying pressure. How do I apply pressure? I can do it with my fingers. I can do it with skin contact. I can do it with relaxation of parts of my hands so the skin sticks. I can do it with uh, biomechanical pressure like a nutcracker. And I can create angles and friction that deliver a superior force vector to keep that gun in the right place coming back to the same point. And I will work on that until that becomes something that when I fire that gun, it almost looks like the slide doesn't go up. It goes back, it goes to the target, and everybody goes, wow, that's amazing. And I go, it's amazing how easy it is if you understand what you're doing. And that is the attentional focus that you get from dry fire. Because hmm. dry fire, dry fire alone has to happen before you live fire. So when you're walking through the skill and you're, you're applying the skill, you're doing it slowly enough that you can map it in your brain. When you look at a map and you look at the end point, you look at all the steps you need to do to get to that end point. And you do each step, step by step, in, a, in an order so that you organize the skill in your mind and you don't skip pieces. And what happens is when people dry fire, they're typically gripping, ripping, shoving the gun out as fast as they can instead of slowly building correct technique and then faster and faster until the skill starts to break down and fixing it at those points. That's the perfect dry fire session. So on a, on a kind of a microcosm level, are you saying like basically you would practice just the grip, just the grip, just the grip, I would just grip? Fundamentally, you know, grip, stance, and trigger are the three things you're going to do every single time. Okay. Those three go together like ham and eggs. But let's say I'm working on my close range scope, Jeff. Let's say I'm doing super fast kinesthetic alignment shooting where I'm using more pointing than I am aiming the sights. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I want to bring that gun up with the sights aligned by feel. And we teach this as a core concept of close quarter fighting. And then we teach soft focus. Lots of different visual skills with your eyes. Well, what I'll do is I'll start off slow on that, and I'll work on, say, close quarter draws. And I'm doing draws, you know, somewhere in a .6 range with my hands at sides. But I'm starting off with one draw in four seconds. And I'm doing it from not only the same position, but different hand positions. And this is where people get it wrong. They keep doing it from the same hand position all the time. And that's mm. what you see these internet guys on YouTube doing. What happens is you develop a short-term skill base 
based upon doing it a hundred times the same way, and then you rip one out and you think, oh, wow, I'm awesome. Well, guess what? That skill is going to last you about one hour. Well, and under ideal and under ideal conditions too, right? Correct, and that's yeah. why you start with different hand positions. But again, there's two kinds of ways to practice. You can practice a block technique where you do the same thing over and over, and these are your bread and butter things that you're probably going to be doing a lot of. Mm-hmm. And then you practice what we call the variable skill session where you change up the drill by either changing the target, how you approach the gun, how you draw the gun, or maybe you're moving or the target's moving. So you change your drill and make it different after every two or three drills Every two or three reps, you change your drill slightly so that your brain, what happens is your brain continues to keep creating new solutions. Every time you change the drill, your brain has to learn a new way. So imagine doing 500 draws where you change after every two to three draws. You would have learned a tremendous amount of different ways to access that firearm, and you will be a superior performer over somebody who just does the same thing over and over Wow. In real world conditions. And I'm talking dry firing. You want to practice draws? Sit in your car and do it. Sit in your car seat belted. Turn and draw. Step and draw. Drop to a knee and draw. Get behind cover and draw. You know? Do all kinds of different hand positions. Weird stuff. You know, come up with stuff where you're drawing and going underneath a vehicle or going around a wall or going underneath something or your target is smaller, or maybe you get a tennis ball and you just pin it up to the wall, to the ceiling, and you swing the tennis ball and you stand sideways so it's swinging side to side and you got to track it while you're drawing. There's all kinds of things you can do to practice that draw and make it extremely good for you so that what happens is your brain starts getting used to operating from any set of conditions. And you know where the gun is from any position your hand might be in. And you're able to access that gun and draw it, and then it becomes... Will you groove it? And this is the perfect dry fire session doesn't stop at subconscious competence. Subconscious yeah. competence is when you do it without thinking. Yeah. Mastery, true mastery, is when you're aware of what you're doing without having to think about it. You're aware of everything that's happening. That's the level you train at on a focus level if you truly want to be a master. Everything yeah. else is just technician. That really glues it all together, I think, because even for the people who think, well, I mean, I've been training with with my firearm for years. Of course, I know how to get a grip on it. I don't need to dry a fire. I do this out. It's it's not an issue. But but I I love that progression that you give there because like, okay, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But but go ahead and test that for yourself. So just practice that one that one element, just getting a grip, just getting a grip. In a in an ideal situation, you got the platform there. You're okay. Like just the grip, just the grip until you get that down. And even if, let's say you do have it down, then take it to the next level. So now you're moving and getting a grip or now your target is moving and you're getting a grip and it's changing your orientation or you have to even just, you have to now orient and and take new action or whatever, and then try getting that grip in the car. I mean, like there is a, even for the person that, that maybe poo poos dry fire training, you know, you can't do those things at the range. You can't practice getting a grip in your car down at the range. Well, most times, right? Some yeah. some tackle ranges you can, but but this you can do for free in in your garage or wherever it might be. And that's just a great progression to show people, like, okay, master one thing and make sure you really master it, and then do something different. 
And then master that. People think, people think they master stuff because they've done it a couple hundred, three hundred right. times. Try 15,000. Okay? <laughs> don't even talk to me about your 500 times a day you did for a month. I don't even want to talk to you because it's my you're still a beginner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that may sound harsh to people, but I'm going to tell you flat out. If you want to be the best you can be, you are going to work your butt off. And there's nobody I know that became world-class that didn't do a tremendous, and I mean a tremendous amount of volume. Very specific, high-end, high-end volume, not just a bunch of low-end reps where you're trying to be perfect. Anybody who tries to be too perfect ends up being too slow. Hmm. And yeah. what happens is when we and when we put them under pressure, they can't perform like they do when they're by themselves. And this is what we do at the Tactical Performance Center is we took all my scientific training and we turned it into a structured training program. And we train everybody. I mean, I've been training U.S. military special ops for you know, 25 years or more. You know, we've done all your high-end teams. We do all your federal alphabet suit people, and they come to us, and we've been training them. And, of course, you know, we don't tell anybody, and they don't want us to really mention much. But you know what? They're out there hanging up their own shingles now, pretending they are teaching all their stuff that they came up with. And, you know, it's no secret. Competitive shooters have been going and teaching those communities for many, many years. Yeah. So we get out there and teach them. But I'll tell you this, you know, we use the scientific principles to get you to the end result faster without the hype, without the myth, without the BS. I don't care what you bought your war stories about a bad man in a bad land. I'm not here to touch. Have you touched the magic? I got two arms, two legs, and a head just like everybody else. But what I do better than everybody else is I understand the science better. Yeah. I understand how to break it down in a very small detailed training. I understand how to do it under a microscope. I know where it's breaking down. I know what the skill is. I know how to fix it, laser direct, and get you to the end result faster. And when you dry fire correctly, you are going to find yourself making little micro mistakes you weren't paying attention to because you weren't paying attention enough. And the perfect dry fire session starts with complete awareness. Don't go faster than you can feel what you're doing as you're doing it. And then as you go faster, you maintain that awareness until that awareness starts to break down. Then you stop at that level and you groove that level until that awareness comes in. Yeah. That, my friend, is the perfect dry fire session. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, we, we, we tell people it's not, it's not seconds that matter in a live gunfight. It's fractions of a second. And when you're talking about chaining all these together and really fine-tuning and perfecting each element, all of those strung together can mean fractions of seconds that could mean life or death. So, Ron, I really appreciate you. Yeah, and get off of YouTube, too. I mean, there's too many people on YouTube <laughs> coming up with nonsense. Number one, YouTube is not court defensible. Number two, a lot mm-hmm. of these guys, when I watch what they're doing and they're doing these all this fast draw stuff, I'm watching their fingers. They're on the trigger too soon. They're doing all kinds of defensive drills that will end them in jail if they ever use it in a live situation against mm-hmm. them. But they're committing murder, a lot of them. Yeah. They're punching a guy out, putting him on the ground, drawing a gun and shooting him. I'm like, look, if you've already made a guy helpless, why are you drawing a gun and shooting him? Yeah. You know, that doesn't fit. And as a former law enforcement officer, and, and I work with prosecutors and I work with these people all the time, I'm a, I'm an expert witness, you know, and a consultant for all this. And I get called all the time for defending officers and other people that have been in shootings. And they want to hire me as a defense, you know, person to look at the shooting and evaluate it. And when I look at these things and I, you know, where'd you get your training? What did you do? How did you do these things? A lot of this stuff comes up with, 
well, you know, we just kind of, you know, winged it or we got some information here. And a lot of these people online are not credible trainers. They do not, they do not have the background, the credibility to stand in a court of law, testify as an expert for the techniques they're teaching. And a lot of their teaching is flawed. And so for me, you know, if you want to really be the best you can be, you better get good information because this is the United States of America. And your idea that you'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6 only works until you go to jail. Yep. And all your attorney stuff, you buy your insurance policy, isn't going to save you if you made a bad decision. Amen. And it starts with your technique, your mindset. The fighting skills have to be also tempered with this is the law of the land, not the law of the street. You have to do both. Yeah. So I look at these things and go, great, you know, train us with as many people as you want to. <clears throat> but then you're going to end up coming to me. They always do. Yeah. Awesome. You get great information from a lot of people. Everybody has their perspective, and I love it. But then when they want to be the best they can be with a handgun, I'm one of those people that they just want to come to because I do that stuff and have been doing that stuff quietly for a living for over 30-plus years. We don't do a ton of advertising. We're pretty selective about who we accept for training. And quite frankly, we don't need 20-something people with the battle belts and all the silly stuff from gear and just the more into buying gear than we are about learning. You know, we are we are a professional organization and we get a fantastic amount of quality people that come in. Beginners are welcome. And quite frankly, it's the best time to train. We're not too advanced for them. What we do is we have programs designed for your level. And when you're doing your levels, and we're going to teach you how to dry fire. We're going to teach you what to do and how to do it. We're going to give you good instruction, good drills, <coughs> teach you the principles, and teach you, number one, listen carefully, teach you how to create your own drills hmm. that are going to work for what you need. That's the key. You need to own it, and in order to own it, you have to work with it and start working with the tools to create your model that's unique to you. That's the important part. You have yeah. to internalize it. It becomes your system. And if you don't have a system, if all you've got is a bunch of parts that you've learned from everybody all over the place, you've got all the parts for your Ford, Chevy, Toyota. <laughs> you can't put together. One. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, Ron, thanks so much. Uh, I really appreciate taking time. This is this has been great. I've definitely I'm a big big fan of dry fire, and I've definitely learned. Uh, quite a few tips in, in, in this interview. And I hope everybody, if you if you weren't a believer before, hopefully you are now. And listen, go over and check out Ron's website. Um, he's got I mean, I, I, his articles alone. I mean, it's really it's been great to see like a real scientific approach, even in the articles and how these things are broken down. He's got some great articles on dry fire that help help kind of drill this down even more into how to how to make up the perfect dry fire session. And and go check out his training. He even has online ability for those of you that maybe can't make it out to his training facility. But if you can, trust me, check out that check out that training schedule and see where you can fit in. Uh, getting instruction from a top competitive shooter as well as somebody who also has a law enforcement background and really knows how to train top people to be their best. Uh, it's really something special. So definitely go check out his website. Again, it's at tacticalperformancecenter.com. And his personal website is over at practicalshootingacademy.com. Both of those right there will get you over to more of Ron's work, okay? All right, so until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now.
This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.